Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Eric Roselli, the Chief of Adult Cardiac Surgery and the Surgical Director of the Aorta Center at the Cleveland Clinic. And I'm here with uh, one of the newest additions to our staff, uh, Marianne uh, Kopravanich, who is a, uh, uh, really an amazing surgeon already in his own right, who has joined our aortic team to talk about the topic of aortic root surgery for patients with aortic valve disease. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, I think one of the questions that comes up first of all, in this whole sort of subject, is uh, what exactly is uh, valve sparing aortic root surgery? Uh, what, why is this relevant? Patients with valve disease. What, 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 tell us a little bit about the root and the valve. What's going on there? So um, uh, aortic valve sparing root replacement is an um, important kind of a segment today in addressing the dilation of aortic root aneurysms. Um, it is uh, important in a ways that for younger patients who have relatively preserved functional valve, we can replace the root with saving the valve and having basically restoring normal anatomy of the patient, allowing them to have very um, basically normal life uh, durability of that valve and that should theoretically last even for the rest of their lives without having more interventions or having any anticoagulation down the line. Yeah. So I, I think, um, again, just uh, a lot of our audience being patients, mm -hmm. uh, and I even remember as a, as a young medical student being confused by all this terminology, it's important, I think, to, to stress the point that the aortic valve isn't just some moving part sitting at the top of your heart right? It's part and parcel of that first part of the aorta that we call the root. So in order for the aortic valve to function well, it, there's a whole bunch of different structures that are involved with it. The, what we call the annulus or the opening to the heart where the valve sits. The, the root, that first section of the aorta really sits inside the heart, doesn't it? I mean, we often yeah. have to kind of separate muscle off of that root of the aorta the valve is suspended inside of that first section of the, of the root. And so um, a lot of times people need a new aortic valve because it's stenotic or degenerated or calcified. But a lot of times the primary problem actually involves the root itself. The other components of the valve are sort of stretched out. That's aneurysm that you're talking exactly. about, right? And so um, a more conventional way to handle that root aneurysm is to replace everything, right? So, um, uh, and in a lot of places that is that is the way it's handled. Not everybody and everywhere does uh, a valve sparing root operation or what we call a reimplantation. Um, and sometimes that's the right thing to do, right? So, um, uh, the, those uh, other options are often referred to as a bentol procedure, right? Can, right. can you kind of? Tell us a little about that. Yeah, biobental is kind of a more traditional way of dealing with this root surgery um, where you have the aneurysm dilation of your aortic root 
And uh, it's a little bit simpler because you just replace pretty much everything. You replace the aortic valve, you replace the root, the sinuses, all that complex anatomy that you mentioned. And then you pretty much just reattach these coronaries uh, to that buttons, uh, those uh, coronary buttons to the root. So uh, it's a little bit simpler, still complex, but simpler kind of a procedure. And um, at the end, you get this prosthetic valve instead of your own valve that you had that uh, if it's a mechanical, you need anticoagulation. If it's a biologic, it has certain lifespan durability. Right, and as you were saying earlier, the advantage of one of these valve sparing operations is you keep that living valve. I hope you're right that it has the potential to last a lifetime. Correct. But it's certainly in the right selected patients where the moving parts still look healthy, our goal is to keep that living valve, hopefully, for a lifetime without anticoagulation, right? Exactly. And so, um, again, you know, we, we talk about sort of patients in these categories as though they, you know, they have valve disease and then they have root disease or maybe a combination of both, but it's way more complex than that, right? There's a whole spectrum of kind of involvement and things. Which kind of patients do you think, uh, let's say, which kind of patient is the ideal patient for one of these valve sparing root replacements, what we refer to as a reimplantation procedure? Well, ideal patient would be a younger patient who pretty much has preserved his aortic valve. It's a kind of a functional valve with isolated root dilation. The valve that requires minimal, what we call a tweaking or repair of the leaflets, and pretty much just requires replacement of the uh, root itself, yeah. of the aorta. Yeah, and so um, I've noticed that over the years, um, as we've gained a better appreciation for this and we do these operations better, that we seem to lower the threshold of when we do it, Absolutely. right? Because if you wait until the aneurysm gets too big, certainly there's the risk that it can rupture and, and that's a fatal complication. Of course, we want to avoid that. Um, but also, if you watch it stretch for too long, it can cause the, the leaflets or the moving parts of the valve to be damaged. And it's a lot harder to save something after it's been pretty beat up yeah. from, from that process. So what we kind of got to do is uh, pick that sweet spot when we think the aneurysm is big enough that it might be dangerous to watch it too long because we worry about it rupturing, mm -hmm. uh, but also kind of get to it uh, before the leaflets have been damaged. And, uh, uh, and you know, the, the cool thing is in a center like ours and, and, and other sort of centers of excellence, um, with enough experience of these, we can keep the risk really low, right? Absolutely. So there's pretty good data um, from the national database that shows that the volume of aortic root surgery that a center does correlates directly with the outcome. So when I say outcome, I mean the risk of death, right? In heart surgery, that's always a risk. And so at our center, compared to even other university centers, our mortality rate is one third of those places. Pretty cool because we have such a huge experience. So we do over a thousand thoracic aortic surgeries a year. I think it was 1,063 last year. We showed it the annual report and 122 of those were these valve reimplantation procedures. And we've consistently been doing over a hundred a year. And so uh, we can do them quickly and safely, just as safely as was that Bentol operation that you were talking about. Um, uh, and um, um, we, we do sort of have a subset of surgeons that do those operations. Uh, uh, is it uh, safe to say that's one of the favorite things that you do? Or Absolutely. Yeah. 
Although you like all aortic surgery, don't you? Well, that's true. <laughs> but the skill to repair the valve takes a lot of nut job. Yeah. What about if the patient comes to us and they have a dilated root and their valve is leaking? That's a great question. So um, you already mentioned there are multiple shades of gray. It's not everything black and white. And of course, if there is a big root, big aneurysm, almost all of the valves are going to be leaky because they're not going to be coapting well. But the question is what kind of a leak it is. Would this be kind of what we call a central leak, kind of a symmetric leak? Or would this be maybe eccentric leak, which means it's not really just from dilation, maybe it is from some or a damaged leaflet somewhere. So it really depends on how preoperatively that leak looks like and also how it looks when we look at it. And then it's our judgment where our experience of a high volume comes in and uh, tells us where we can repair this valve durably enough right. to be good enough for long enough time uh, to make it a worthwhile for the patient and safe enough. So it kind of varies. Uh, if it's dilated and leaking, doesn't mean we cannot fix it. It still depends on these other variables that we have to look at. Yeah, I think it, um, it's been really kind of awesome over the last decade and a half as, as I've seen our valve repair practice uh, grow and our experience with these reimplantation uh, operations grow is we've been able to apply that technique uh, to ever more complex patients. So, um, uh, and the imaging has just gotten so good and our understanding of how that imaging correlates with what we find in the operating room. So sometimes I'll tell a patient, hey, 95% chance or better, and maybe even underestimating that, that we're gonna save this valve. Um, and then sometimes I'll say, look, this one's 50-50. I don't like some of the things I see on either the echo or the CT scan. Um, and, and then when I tell them, sometimes I, I, don't, I don't know if it's arrogant or not, but it's real. And I'll tell patients, <laughs> I say, you know, I can, fix, I can repair any valve. The question is not can I, exactly. it's should I, right? Because right? we want to we say for a patient, and the patients are very much part of the decision-making process, and if a patient wants to avoid anticoagulation and they know that something needs to be done to that root, which may mean something to the valve, uh, we've got we've to decide whether that repair is going to be at least as durable as one of those biologic valves, exactly. which average, I don't know, what do you tell your patients? Yeah, 15 years or About so, 15 years. Like yeah, I think that's right. So those are the kind of things, the decisions we make based on the imaging and our view in the operating room about whether we can we can repair it or not. And, um, and, and we have to kind of tailor it to the patient as well. So, you know, I'll see uh, someone in their 20s, uh, and if it's a woman who, you know, is considering pregnancy or something, I might get a little fancier with the repair, yeah. knowing that it might not be as durable because we have to do a little more to it, but it might make, you know, subsequent pregnancies or something easier. Um, whereas if I see someone who's, you know, in their mid-50s, or even 60s, and I've actually done valve reimplantations in patients who are 80, yep. who have like a good lifespan and pretty nice looking leaflets. Um, uh, but we kind of have to balance all those sort of predictions about the future. Um, well, and, and I think we're just going to keep getting better as we keep working and building teams and we have more personnel with this kind of expertise. So it's been really fun uh, to work together with you and you've been just a an awesome addition to our team and and uh, I'm looking forward to us working on some 
research projects to study all these questions more. We're, we're doing some cool stuff with newer imaging techniques to try and help guide us. And, um, and I think the message for our patients should be um, if you may be a potential candidate for one of these problems, is to gather the knowledge you need and seek it out from people who are really experts in this field. We're happy, of course, to help you in that process in Cleveland. And we thank Adam and his team at heartvalvesurgery.com uh, with all the wonderful teaching they do. Thanks, and thanks for your time thank today. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.